This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. First, he became the world's leading advocate of the slow movement. Now, best-selling author Carl Honoré's latest book is a call to action for us all to redefine aging, which is our philosophy here at Zoomer Media. He was here to talk about it. And although Zoomers have the potential to age better than ever before, older parents are also feeling the financial squeeze. A new report finds a staggering number are still financially supporting children into their mid-30s. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Canada is one step closer to a national drug plan, something the Zoomer advocacy group CARP has been long calling for. This week, a federal expert panel recommended creating a new agency to oversee the rollout of Pharmacare. It also suggested that the federal government develop a national list of drugs to ensure consistent coverage across the country. One unanswered question is whether Pharmacare should follow a single-payer model or adopt another format. Love and marriage, love and marriage. Love, marriage, and hormones? A new study claims your happiness in marriage may be out of your control and may be based in part on genetics. When at least one partner in a marriage had a certain oxytocin receptor, the couple had greater marriage satisfaction compared to those with other types of this receptor. Oxytocin is a hormone that plays a role in social bonding and emotional stability. Data was collected from close to 200 married couples aged 37 to 90 who completed a survey on their marriage satisfaction and submitted a saliva sample for gene testing. The study is published in the journal Plus One. There's a new international doping scandal, this time in a sedentary game played mostly by Zoomers. The world's number one bridge player has run afoul of anti-doping rules that have tripped up high-performance athletes in track, cycling, and more. A 49-year-old Norwegian who plays for Monaco was suspended by the World Bridge Federation after testing positive for synthetic testosterone and a substance used to treat infertility in women. Many find the ruling odd since increased testosterone stimulates muscle growth but appears to have little benefit for bridge players. Grace Jones created a buzz by walking the runway at Paris Fashion Week. The legendary 70-year-old brought a definitive 1970s vibe, walking a neon-lit runway alongside models wearing flare trousers, metallic dresses, and a lot of sequins. Jones danced in a gold bodysuit and metallic blazer for the show's finale to a soundtrack of We Are Family by Sister Sledge. 
Well wishes and support are flooding in from around the world for Alex Trebek as he makes public his stage four pancreatic cancer diagnosis. I'm going to fight this and I'm going to keep working. And with the love and support of my family and friends and with the help of your prayers also, I plan to beat the low survival rate statistics for this disease. The 78-year-old from Sudbury has hosted the wildly popular Jeopardy for 35 years. He joked he has to stick around because he's got three more years on his contract. As a 10-year-plus survivor of this terrible disease, I look forward to welcoming him into this club. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Here at Zoomer Media, we've been promoting a new vision of aging for more than a decade. Now, the idea is going mainstream. Internationally, best-selling author Carl Honoré is known as the leading proponent of the slow movement. His latest work advocates a revolution in our approach to getting older. He joined us in studio to talk about his new book, Boulder. I think that we've built up a chamber of horrors view of aging. You know, we're marinated in a cult of youth and the message coming at us all the time from every angle and every walk of life is that younger is always better and that to age is a form of failure, a surrender or loss, decline, decrepitude, dementia, you know, poverty, loneliness. It's all bad, bad, bad. And that's just untrue, right? Once you sort of pull away the veil of this negative stereotype we built around aging, you find that there's so many things that... A, remain the same as we grow older, and actually many things actually get better, right? So there is a whole other story to be told about aging. And that's what I wanted to set out to do with the book was to say, hang on a minute, let's just push pause for a moment here. Take stock of where we are in human history. We're in actually a golden age of aging, and yet it doesn't feel that way. We feel so bad about it. You know, we're, it's woven into our vernacular. We, our, our language is all about the bad side of aging. You know, we talk about you forget your keys is a senior moment, right? Or you say, um, you know, I'm feeling my age. That means I feel weak and inferior and sore. I guess what I'm trying to do with the book is point out that there's another way of thinking about aging and to get us to see that side, but also to change the language we use. I actually think that things have started to become better and, and maybe you're marking the crest of the wave or something like that. I, f- I feel that I'm coming in on the ground level here. I do feel like the needle is starting to move in every corner of human life, I think people are starting to reassess this cult of youth view of aging and coming around to the idea that, hang on a minute, this is something much more nuanced here. And there is a good news story to tell. And I, I'll give you just one example. Netflix and Amazon have stopped tracking their users by age. Now they track them by taste. And I think that's actually a deep tectonic shift that's going on there. We're moving away from a world where people are not only defined, but constrained like a straitjacket by the number on their birth certificate to a world that we want, which is a world where people can define what aging means for them. They can grow older on their own terms. Especially when you consider the alternative to aging. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in fact, it's, yeah, cl- clearly um, being six feet under versus eight. Yeah, that, that, that's a no brainer. But it's interesting you bring up without saying it, the word death, right? I mean, I think that's one of the things I look at in the book is that we've, outsource death a little bit. We've sealed ourselves off from the idea of dying. And I think one of the benefits of considering death, talking about it, having it present around us in some way in our lives, is that it focuses us on the here and now. In some ways, that's one of the benefits of aging. The closer you get to a finish line, the more you appreciate the moment. 
You say we have to completely change or reorganize our thoughts about how the stages of life go. Exactly. We've inherited a a very rigid life path, the three-stage path, right? So early life is for learning and education. The middle years are for working, making money, possibly having a family. And then the end is pension and leisure. And in some ways, that probably made sense in the most of the 20th century when people would get to their 60s and then retire and then probably die three years later. But now in Canada, for instance, you know, most people are going to live into their 80s. <laughs> That's a lot of extra years. And not only that, we're living healthily. We've got so much energy. We've got so much to, to bring and deliver and to, to enjoy. So I think what we're looking at happening now, and I can already see it beginning to take shape, is moving away from that rigid three stages and creating something much more fluid and open so that people do all of these things throughout their lives. So the learning never stops. You carry on learning all the way through your lives in different ways. The working maybe never stops. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to do a full you know, 80-hour week when you're 75, for instance, but you know, maybe you'll do a few hours here and there or something. So just having already this idea. happening. Exactly. It is already happening, yeah. And people are, sometimes it's happening on the work side because of necessity, right? People have to pay the bills, but often it's because people just want to do it. So where do you think we're at in terms of a, a change for this whole idea of the life cycle and aging? I think that we're in the foothills, really. Uh, we're in the beginning of a revolution. And I, I think it's always hard at the start of a culture quake like this to know how long it's going to take and what shape it will assume along the way. But all of the pieces of the puzzle are there. So many things are pointing in that direction. Look at all of the technological breakthroughs that are making it easier to you know, live well and healthily and age well and so on, like things that we've just never even conceived of restoring. People's hearing, eyesight, joints, all this stuff better than ever before and getting better every day. Another thing that points in the, the right direction for this revolution is that uh, the demographics are moving favorably, right? I mean, every day in Canada and elsewhere in the world, there are more older people around. We're just seeing more and more people in later life, no longer under 40, but 40-somethings, 50, 60, 70-somethings, just out there doing their thing, you know, keeping on, keeping on. And that, again, changes the whole conversation. There's another angle here, which I think sometimes people don't always spot or even regard as a good thing because it's, it's a mixed picture, is that this generation of over 50s have a lot of money, right? And money and talks is, in our and, society. It and talks. it is taking the ad industry and everyone else forever to They're adjust starting, to that and to stop courting young people with no money. There's so much inertia in the marketing and advertising industry. It's just a enthrall to the idea of youth and the youth market. And yet all of the money, I mean, just in Britain where I live, the over 50s have um, represent, I think, um, is it a third of the population or something like that? But, but they hold 80% of the wealth, the disposable income. And yet you look at most ads and how often do you see a wrinkle or a gray hair, right? You know, most people who buy cars are over 50, and yet you never see anybody over the age of 35 driving a car for the most part on TV. I'm hearing from so many marketing and advertising and branding firms who are now, they can see which way the wind is blowing. They can feel that the dial is shifting, and they're on it. They're doing their own research on the language, the imagery. How do we revolutionize the depiction of later life in branding and advertising and so on? How do we make products for people who are not 25, but are maybe 55 or 75 or even 85? The money is having an effect. They know they're not doing that because it gives them a warm, fuzzy feeling, right? Mm. They're doing it because they know that that's where the, the bucks are. So again, coming back to my overarching argument, I think that that's another reason to be confident that we can turn this around because at least at this moment, this generation's got the money to wave around 
And, and in that sense, the tail can kind of wag the dog a little bit. <laughs> okay, Carl Honoré, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, it's been fun. That was Carl Honoré. His new book is Boulder, Making the Most of Our Longer Lives. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, a new retirement reality for Zoomer parents. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Zoomers are dipping into their retirement savings more than ever, but not for travel or leisure. In increasing numbers, parents are financially supporting their kids well into their 30s. A new study by RBC found that a staggering 96% of parents still support children aged 18 to 35. I talked to Rick Lowe's with RBC about what that means for our future. I think there's a lot of potential reasons for that around increasing home prices and the difficulty to get into the housing market, people doing secondary education and carrying forward the debt that they may have incurred through that, that is contributing to this situation. The numbers are pretty big. Here in Ontario, the average is uh, $6,700 a year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you see that in the Ontario market and the BC market, where I think, not surprisingly, where, where home prices have shot up so much over the last decade or so, that that is really a driving factor in, in terms of, you know, increase in an overall level of support that we're seeing. Well, since we're talking about home prices, we may as well get to that right away. If you take a couple in their 30s, even if both of them are holding down great jobs and making great money, there's no way they would have a down payment for a million dollar house saved up. So when you look at that, 6700 doesn't seem that much. No, and I mean, in the context of a down payment, absolutely. Um, I think in many cases, there's there's probably some people on the one end of the spectrum that are contributing more and perhaps making more meaningful contribution to helping with a down payment. In other cases, in other cases, this may be simply helping with rent uh, for a period of time. I mean, there's also, you know, a fair number of the young adults who are coming into the workforce who, you know, are still struggling to find that full-time employment. Do you have a handle on how many of these parents are jeopardizing their own retirement or their own older years? Roughly one-third of the respondents suggest uh, that this could have an impact on retirement savings. And another third were actually have some concerns that this may cause them to work longer for another year, two years, or, or who knows how long. What's important for people to understand is that, you know, it's certainly a large number of people that have some concerns. And, and from our perspective, I think it's really important for them to really explore their options and understand the kind of financial impact this may have. I know that there's many, many Canadians out there who still have some worries about how much they need to save for retirement. And I think taking the time to put together a plan, um, which we can be done in a little 10 to 20 minutes nowadays with some of the technology that's available, can really help them understand what kind of impact this may have and what are their options. I think we all understand that people want to help their children. It's a very natural instinct. Here at Zoomer Media, we see the whole life cycle is changing. We are living longer and it's taking longer for people to launch. So isn't this just some kind of adjustment to all of that? 
I think that there is certainly this case where people are living longer and their people are taking longer to get into that workforce and get settled than we may have seen in some previous generations. What is the solution? I think one of the first things, obviously, that is important for parents uh, with those adult children to do is to sit down and have the conversation with their children and, and think about what are the expectations of the child and the hopes of the child and what are the expectations of the parents. I think it's also important that people have a plan in place so they can understand how long could they potentially afford to support their children without really significantly impacting the retirement, or if they do choose to prolong their work life, what kind of impact would that have in terms of their savings and, and how long would they need to do to support this? I think there are potentially some options that people can explore about how do I offset some of those costs. Such as? Such as working with their children and potentially in some cases, you know, as we see many more children coming home and staying home to help them build up some savings to, to help them get them on their feet. That's certainly you know, one option for people to explore. I think for all of the parents, I think there's a good opportunity for them to kind of revisit in terms of what is their investment plans and, and how can this contribute and, and play into the to their strategies to be able to afford this. This is a trend that I can actually expect maybe you know continuing to increase. We don't see any abatement in uh, the increasing home prices and education costs continuing to go up. You know, the job market is even softening in the, in the current environment. So I think this is something we're going to continue to see, and this pressure is going to continue to exist, even as our people approaching retirement you know, can expect to live longer. So I think this is something where people need to start thinking about how do I start saving for this earlier? How do I start to plan for this earlier? With that expectation, this could continue in the future and potentially could become even more pronounced. Okay, good advice. Thank you so much, Rick Lowe's. Thank you very much, Libby. That was Rick Lowe's Vice President of Retirement Strategies at RBC. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, a founding member of the Supremes celebrates a birthday. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. We begin in Australia, where the Sydney Opera House is presenting Richard Strauss's Zalame. It's based on Oscar Wilde's risque reimagining of the Bible story, which was originally banned two weeks before its London premiere in 1891. On opening night in Sydney, the performance received a whopping 38 curtain calls. Art Fair 2019 is on this weekend in Tokyo. The theme is Art Life. The wall outside Universal Studios in Los Angeles has been repainted with a monster-sized mural of Frankenstein. Artist Tristan Eaton worked from a boom 25 feet in the air and used 40 cans of spray paint each day for a month. And in London, the new King's College Science Gallery presents spare parts. Highlights include experimental incubators, hosting cellular life, and body parts crafted by 3D printers. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This week, Mary Wilson, one of the founding members of the Supremes, celebrated her 75th birthday. Today, they are musical icons, but in the late 1950s, Mary Wilson, Diana Ross, and Florence Ballard were just three friends who sang together in their high school group, the Premets. After school, they would hang out at the Hitsville, USA recording studios, where they tried to get the attention of Motown Records founder Barry Gordy. 
It took a few years, but in 1961, he agreed to sign them to a record deal, but only if they agreed to change their name. They became the Supremes. Mary Wilson was the only founding member to stay a Supreme through the 1960s and into the 70s, long after Ballard and then Ross left the group. Following Wilson's own departure in 1977, the group disbanded. Wilson has since released three solo albums, five singles, and two best-selling autobiographies. In 1988, along with Diana Ross and Florence Ballard, she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of the Supremes. Right now, we'll travel back to 1965 and hear one of the Supremes' chart-topping hits. Here is Stop in the Name of Love. That was Stop in the Name of Love. The Supremes founding member Mary Wilson celebrated her 75th birthday this week. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer Moses Snymer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.